0: tucson uh-huh. i'm i'm calling it now i don't think uh-huh. you're reading the book i think you i think you're gonna try to read the intro 35 minutes before the show starts
1: i am not gonna do that i look forward to reading a full book these days <laughs>
0: <laughs> will pascal read the whole book no oh pascal already
1: has the cliff notes <laughs> yeah.
0: Pascal will he read the last paragraph of every chapter or will he read the whole book oh it's steve paxton's book um we're talking to steve paxton on saturday but that's you're you're jumping the gun we haven't even started the show <gasps> Hello, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast. Uh, I am your host, Jason Miles, and M. Toussaint has banned me from the screen because she's a horrible producer.
1: I swear. There you
0: are. Yeah. No messages, no in show messages. It's... Look what you guys did. You ruined that whole thing with all you guys.
1: I just got here.
0: Don't blame. Don't blame yourself. I'm blaming yourself. (laughs) Good evening, everyone. I'm your host, Jason Miles, and welcome to another episode of This is Revolution Podcast thank you all for joining us this evening before we start if you're new to the channel please hit subscribe and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you are alerted whenever we go live we're constantly adding cross streams with other channels and adding new shows also i want to add i was a guest on sublation media's fatal dates with friend susie Kleiman. it was fun and emotionally moving episode so look forward on sublations youtube channel it should be dropping soon and Congratulations on 15 years of Yo Gabba Gabba, a fun children's TV show that I got to be a part of, and rest in peace, good friend, here's Marquis, we will miss you. We will not be doing our normal news show tonight because super producer MT Tucson was able to book a great guest tonight that will attempt to get us peace filled I hope you guys are ready for tonight's episode. Um, that being said, if you enjoy what we do here at TIR and don't want to make the yearly or monthly commitment, show your support with revolutionary merch. Mt, can you bring up the merch? Sure thing. Oh, see, 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 you're just doing me dirty today. What did <laughs> I? Do? What, did, what did what did I? What did I do? I thought we were friends. There's
1: there's your precious merch. <laughs>
0: is this all i am to you (laughs) okay you do the merch pitch then
1: me i don't have the notes
0: oh now you don't have the notes
1: um okay one second let me see (laughs) Notes. I don't even see them. Up. I don't even
0: see them. See, that's what you get.
1: Okay, here. I hope you guys are ready for tonight's episode. That said, if you enjoy what we do here at TIR and don't want to make the yearly or monthly commitment, show your support with revolutionary merch. MT, can you bring this up on the screen? real we'll quick? <laughs>
0: So now they know that everything is written down. Thank you to all the patrons in YouTube and Twitch subscribers here. You guys are the oh-so-important cogs in the TIR machine. If you'd like to be part of what we do here, have access to the call-in segment that we do, Um, have access to all the champagne rooms. There's only one way to do it. Become a patron. You also get to join us for our movie nights, which we decided, I think it's been decided, um that we will be doing willie dynamite for the next movie night is that is that true ah. <laughs> are we, are we so. gonna do that we're gonna do willie dynamite for movie night well let's let's bring in the man that that made that executive decision um i'll have you bring him in because i'm having some problems with my computer right now mt please welcome the man of the mau mau hour he is the Joe Perry to my Steven Tyler. He is the Pascal Robert.
2: You're coming up with those names, buddy. You're coming up with those, those telling I'm more disappointing. disappoint. and greeting to the chat, the audience, and Jason Miles. That is that is a
0: deep cut right there. Only only real OGs know who I just mentioned. I haven't seen anybody mention it in the chat um speaking of the the mighty mount rushmore of podcasters that is this is revolution he is everyone's favorite middle manager of the deep state mt can you please bring in deep state kuba i feel like it's been forever since we've seen
3: you kuba the um the live show feels like um, a decade ago, doesn't it? It does. Are you ready for the next live show? Yes, from Odessa. By Candlelight. (laughs) We'll be doing it on our phones and um, (laughs) it'll last for precisely as long as uh, the battery life of um, the uh, oldest iPod, uh, iPhone between us. Oof. Oof. And then we hitch a ride right out of town with
2: Azov.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wow.
2: You hitch a ride right out of town with Azov. <laughs> Come on,
3: guys. Dimitri is cool.
0: <laughs> um, MT is going to be joining us. Uh, Kuba and I know what MT looks like but pascal has not met her in real life so we you should tell him we should we should do like have him find her <laughs> uh, police lineup style
2: yeah police lineup style <laughs> <laughs> have like five asian women
3: <laughs> number three step forward and try to number three let's hear your uh, best merch pitch too smooth that's
0: not her
1: that's not her thank you (laughs)
2: appreciate that
0: that's that's gonna be the the game uh pascal find mt that should be i knew we would go
2: there i knew we would go there
0: (laughs) someone says someone is like the white guy who says i have black
1: (laughs) who says he has black friends but Ah. he does
3: Actually, my black friends told me never to say that.
1: Good, good black friends.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh wow!
0: I'm over here trying to get serious about tonight's show, and the comments are just instantaneously. I
2: just realized <laughs> that, like, we've gone like like a couple of weeks with like all black content
0: mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> in terms of like the whole. <laughs> <laughs> koopa's <laughs> probably like, wow, he's like integrated. He's like kind of like the Rosa Parks of our show right now. <laughs> <laughs> mm.
0: I mean, love look- I mean, the show. I uploaded.
3: I never Bas- disagree with Pascal. So
0: Pascal, no. Pascal, I know you're not going to prove this I was talking to MT as I was uploading the the intro trailer for today, and I haven't uploaded an intro trailer forever. And so it, it was my first time I got to look at like YouTube metrics and stuff. And I saw some comments and someone left a comment and they said, what happened to all the revolutionary content? So I responded, kill Whitey. Yeah. better." <laughs>
1: <laughs> so we're not going to let Jason answer comments. <laughs> that's what that means.
0: And that's why I, I don't answer. Changes
3: Twitter password.
0: <laughs> yep. I don't work. Dude so many people are running the tir twitter sometimes there's posts i'm like i didn't say that i feel like that's you and gene
1: do you want us to put our initials on it Ooh. a little bit of accountability
3: no 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 no, no. what you do mm. is you have to include an emoji and um, the skin tone is coded to the co-host
1: Hey <laughs> I feel like Gene is gonna be conflicted.
0: Yeah <laughs> Like Florida we'll ask- Damn Damn Damn
1: <laughs> Well ask him what he uses in his personal life.
0: I think Gene tries to use a Tannish.
1: Yeah, I think it's Tannish too.
3: I started yes. with Simpsons yellow and I'll die with Simpsons yellow. <laughs>
0: Oh, and people apparently think Pascal wants to join the new Black Panther party.
2: I don't know where they
1: get there from. <laughs> the I only gun me. he owns
0: is the love gun. So.
1: The love gun? I don't want to know. Let's 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 move past this. <laughs> let's just go past this. You look great today, Pascal. By the way. You
2: do. You do. Thank look you. Good. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Very healthy, very healthy color.
2: Yes, we've got new lighting, mic stands. We're doing we're doing, doing the thing. Take
1: that, Brianna Joy gray Oh. We're
0: gonna Ooh. get you some, some
1: more stands. We're gonna get you some more. Ooh, Maybe we'll Brianna get you some toilet lights. We got it for you, nigga.
0: There you go, Brianna Joy. Already you
3: gonna get you some, well, get
1: you, some you know, they lights.
3: wanted more revolutionary content. <laughs>
1: That's true <laughs> gotta
0: give the people what they want give them what they want intra-left beef for no reason
2: anyway I was I was like, you all
0: my opportunities to be on that woman's show no we're not many that watch this show don't know that its name comes from a lyric in a song i wrote for my band bitter lake this is not war this is not a war this is revolution We fight wars over drugs, crime, terrorism, and these wars, much like the more traditional ones uh, the US is a part of, seem to have no end in sight. The unintended consequences of these wars have the innocuous sounding name, collateral damage. That collateral damage has polluted drinking water for entire populations, killed millions of innocents, and caused this country to lead the world in incarceration of millions. The war to end terror begats terror. Is it possible to even put peace on the table? Our guest today believes we should. He believes that through peaceful struggle we can achieve a world without war. MT. Can you play the intro video or do I have to play it?
1: Um, I think I can play it. I've never okay, played a video before. How do you play it?
0: Oh no, I have to play it.
1: You have Sorry. to play it. Okay.
0: Franklin once said, there has never been a good war or a bad peace. But is perpetual, perpetual war, much like capitalist realism, a ubiquitous part of life? We'll ask these questions and more. This is Revolution.
4: Every person I've spoken to outside of Charlottesville, who I've asked, has had no idea that the, the reason, reason a statue, statue of robert, of robert e. lee is, is still, still standing, standing in this town, town albeit, albeit covered, covered in black plastic, plastic is because, because of virginia, virginia state law bans the removal of war monuments. and i have never met anyone anywhere who has even considered the idea of banning the removal of peace monuments the hardest part would be finding a peace monument to remove if
1: Nice.
0: All right. Let's bring in our guest. Would you like to introduce our guest before you bring him in, M.T.?
1: Sure. Well, -hmm. our next guest, David Swanson, is a person that I've been following on Twitter um, and on Facebook for years. And um, he's really gotten me to think about some things, and I hope he'll do the same for you, too. Let's bring him in. Hello, David.
4: Thanks for having me. Great video.
0: Thanks for that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for, uh, for joining us today. We're really excited about the show today. Um, MT, Did you want to start off with the first question?
1: I actually want to start off real quick with this, this quote somebody posted in the chat, uh, before the show even started. So this is a quote from William S Burroughs. This is a war universe war all the time. That is its nature. There may be other universes based on all sorts of other principles, but ours seems to be based on war and games. Have you ever heard that quote before, David?
4: I don't think I have. It's totally possible. I've heard it and forgotten it, uh, but I. Dramatically disagree with it. Uh, I think it's yeah. absolute nonsense. Uh, first of all, we don't know anything about the universe or even any other planets, just this one little rock. Uh, <laughs> and virtually every species on it does not engage in war. It's just about ants and humans. Although the ants are much more courageous uh, and glorious in their wars than the humans, uh, and most humans. Have never been near any war. Uh, You know, we've been around for millions of years, uh, and we've pretty much resembled what we are now for hundreds of thousands of years. Uh, And it's not clear that was there was anything that you could call a war at all before about 10,000 years ago. Uh, And what it was was closer to a violent sport than to what war is now. And it was sporadic; it was here and there. You you know, there's always some place with a war. There's always a million places without a war. Uh, And there are cultures and societies that have gone centuries with having wars and then gone centuries not having wars. Uh, And there is absolutely no requirement to have war. Uh, In fact, if you search the medical records of doctors worldwide back through history, the documented cases of suffering and PTSD from war deprivation is a grand total of zero. People do just fine deprived of war. In fact, most people who engage in war, even sitting in a trailer in Nevada and pushing a button and blowing up some people with a missile halfway around the world, they suffer. They suffer dramatically. For it. So I don't know what it means for something to be natural, but if it means anything, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean this thing that everybody tries to avoid, the biggest war-making place on earth is the United States and just about everybody in the United States avoids war if they possibly can. And the top reason anybody gets involved in it, they've been saying in surveys for years and years, is the lack of any other way to get to college, the lack of any other career path. You had 19 Congress members complain to Joe Biden that he was doing anything about student debt because that was bad for military recruitment. Got to keep them poor so you can force them into the military. I mean, if it was natural, why would you need a billion dollars a year for advertising it? If it was natural, it would just happen.
0: Now, now I want to ask you about that. You recently wrote about that on your personal blog, about the fact that uh, it was a big push from uh, Congress to make sure that students get good to go through. And now we're seeing uh, through the judicial system that there's going to kick that. but student debt relief and I haven't seen too much uh, mainstream media attention about it in alternative media uh, places Uh, i definitely seen it but can you expand on that a little bit more about um, kind of the poverty draft if you will?
4: Well, there are obviously lots of interests opposed to ending student debt or making college free the way many countries do uh, and, and they include the bank's interest in making money uh, but the congress members' willingness to talk openly about what used to be a bit shameful secret that they 're keeping people poor in order to get them into the military uh you know it, it's it 's disturbing that they now say that quiet bit out loud. Uh, And and it's and it's something that they've for years done without any shame when it comes to immigration. Oh, you want to be a citizen? Go in the military first. That'll make you a citizen. You know, this is this is. A poverty draft doesn't mean that nobody rich ever goes into the military doesn't mean that people don't go into the military for completely different reasons doesn't mean people don't have 86 reasons all in a big jumble for why they go into the military but the number one reason that people tell the active duty members of the military have told people in polls for years and years is that they didn't have any other choice they wanted money for college they wanted a job they wanted a career there was nothing else else they could do uh, in this country that is rolling in money, unlimited money for wars, even other people's wars, more (laughs) money for wars in Ukraine than for anything else uh, that this country does. Uh, And for billionaires, of course, oh, we need some more billionaires. There's plenty of money. Uh, But, you know, the, the notion that you can't make college free, that that would be a reckless spending of money that you can't end student debt the, the one country on earth that has not ratified the Convention on the Rights of the Child, that treats children so horribly, uh, the, the, the one wealthy country on earth that makes it so hard to get an education, you know, the, the, the country on earth that is the major holdout on basic human rights treaties and runs around engaging in wars in the name of a rules-based uh, order what does that mean? Unless it's, you know, we make the rules, we give the orders. Uh, You know, what about abiding by some of the rules that the world has created that you're holding out on as this rogue state because you know better? Uh, How is it better for kids not to be able to get an education? You know, I'm not going to be able to afford to send my kids to college. I'll be able to afford the airplane tickets to Canada or Europe so they can go to college. But but here, we're gonna need some scholarships.
2: David, I'd like to ask you a question if you don't mind. Uh, do you think that the origins of war are connected directly to the modern nation state and how it's evolved within its hierarchies? Do you think that the, 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 the actual way in which government has evolved is one of the contributing factors as to why war became a normative part of what societies and, and nations and empires developed over time as a means to settle their their, their uh, disagreements?
4: Uh, I mean, it depends what we count as war, right? Because, uh, you know, what little... Uh, groups of humans did for tens of thousands of years, uh, generally trying to scare each other off, uh, you know, resembles the mass slaughter of aerial bombing. uh, Not at all, you know. And and I don't think even a a soldier in a war less than 100 years ago would recognize a a kid pushing a button and, and blowing people up with a missile on a video screen as war um, but if you count everything that's typically called war back through the millennia uh, then obviously war long predates the the modern nation state But if you ask yourself what keeps war going now uh, obviously it's nations obviously it's it's having set the United Nations up, Not as a democratic body, uh, not as a body representing people, uh, but as a body representing nations with the five worst nations a little more equal than all the others uh, with veto power over everything. uh, And those nations being corrupted, uh, doing the the bidding of, of the weapons industry that makes such a fortune off these wars uh, and corrupted by the media that that loves the wars and loves people uh, who support the wars. Uh, my God, did you see the, did you, did you feel them drooling over the idea that those two people in Poland were killed by a Russian missile? Uh, I mean, by the way, both sides are using Russian miss- missiles If and most wars, both sides have U.S. made weapons. If that doesn't tell you something about the stupidity of war. But the fact that you could, you know, a crazy barrage of missiles by this country, if one of them strays into Poland, uh, it's destroy the world time. But if one of them from the other side strays into Poland, oh, well, nothing to see here, no harm done. It was a defensive missile. And now we needed defending from those two poor people. And, uh, you know, we don't need any long, long bios on, on what wonderful people they were anymore, as everyone was planning there for a couple hours. Um, it, it's it, it, the madness of, of nationalism uh, is, you know, is a huge part of what sells wars. It's what. It's what gets Ukrainians to fighting wars. It's what gets Russians to fighting wars. Uh, and uh, nobody does more nationalism. No country is more saturated in flag waving and uh, and and patriotic uh, shows than this one.
0: Cuba, I know that you you have a lot to say on this uh, subject.
3: So one thing that you mentioned earlier about how not fighting in wars has never triggered any PTSD, it's never harmed anybody, Um, reminded me of uh, Randall Collins' uh, book, Violence, Uh, A Microsociology. And um, that went into detail about the um, type of emotional um, trauma and the uh, combination of, of fear, guilt, Um, anxiety that soldiers experience before going into battle and how much of uh, war fighting, uh, especially historically, has been determined by which side had a greater willingness to fight because there's something profoundly um, unnatural uh, about going all the way to inflicting physical violence on another person uh, generally, somebody needs to get into an emotionally extreme condition um, in order to be able to do that. And then afterwards, when um, what Randall Collins describes, uh, the forward panic runs out, then you have to live with the consequences uh, of what you did. But um, so I, I think that that largely uh, supports what you're saying, that this is uh, these conflicts are, um, they cut against some essential elements of human nature. Um, you know, people are a social species, not quite the same way as ants, but uh, we have social instincts. Most people um, have to get over a significant empathy inhibition before they they are willing to harm somebody else. But he also points out that there is what he described as a violent elite, a um, 1% or, or perhaps even fewer of um, soldiers that don't experience uh, anxiety or fear, um, and in the face of battle, and that makes them extraordinarily effective. And that trait lines up imperfectly, but not not coincidentally, with um, what would be described as psychopathy or sociopathy in um, in other. Uh, circumstances, And so one question is, well, if there is a minority um, of people who don't have the same inhibitions um, towards violence against others um, and recognize that it can be an effective tool for getting what they want, whether it's on a geopolitical level or, you know, on a personal level, Right, um, mafia hitmen and um, fighter pilot aces actually share a similar psychological disposition. Uh, if I recall Randall uh, Collins' work correctly, um, so what do we do? You know, if you do have uh, a majority, an overwhelming consensus for peace, with a minority that uh, doesn't have those inhibitions against violence, that um, recognizes that in a peaceful world, the first person willing to fight actually has a tremendous advantage.
4: Well, I'm not sure that the the difference made by individuals uh, in these wars that that consist of mass uh, firings of of missiles uh, is as significant as it was when you were dealing with uh, hand-to-hand and trench-to-trench combat as, as the main form of war. But I think you're absolutely right that it's very, very difficult for most people to kill and and most students of what passes for US history are shocked when they're told that the vast majority of the greatest generation in the greatest war ever World War II never shot their weapons shot them at the sky shot them at the ground avoided shooting them and back through all wars back uh, until just the past generation or so when they've learned how to condition members of militaries to kill without thinking uh, and they've got the percentages way up of of willing to kill uh, uh, able to survive well afterwards, having done that, reintegrate into a society where you're not supposed to kill everything that moves and eh, not so much. Uh, I mean, you look at you look at the hundreds of thousands of Russians who've picked up and left rather than go into a war and who've been able to. Uh, whereas in Ukraine, the men can't get out and they're they're forced into war or prison. You know, this what does this say about freedom uh, in Ukraine, but uh, I I think that 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 there's a very. I mean, obviously there's a danger, uh, and I've heard people advocate uh, this when they've started out with. The, the the question that you just gave in imagining that we can identify the sociopaths, we can identify who the psychopaths are and lock them up or kill them or disempower them or give them some si- sort of chemical injection. I know you didn't say anything remotely like this. <laughs> a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, a good liberal, progressive, uh, loving, decent friend of mine. Went went way off in this direction. Uh, and I just want to, you know, point out that we do not know how to identify such people and imagining we did would be uh, disastrous. Uh, what do we do, though, about the fact that there are such people? Well, we don't give power to individuals. We do democracy rather than bombing places in the name of democracy. We actually try it. Uh, We actually cease to give a single individual the nuclear power to destroy the world, the power to make law, the power to unmake law, the power to start wars, uh, the power to take tens of billions of dollars of weapons that are sitting around at the Pentagon and send them somewhere and say, kill lots of people with these. Uh, No individual should have that power. And the pretense that the Congress is much of a step away from the White House toward democracy uh, is is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, we, We actually need to disempower uh, this wealthy elite, whether we think they're sociopaths or not, they're operating as a sociopathic institution uh, that, that has sociopathic tendencies, regardless of how good these people are when they when they get home from their job on Capitol Hill. Um, I, I
3: actually, that's uh, you. You mentioned the media before. Um, the you mentioned the arms manufacturers and the media. And uh, I think that one element of, um, of, you know, uh, war one um, major requirement to get a uh, nominally democratic, but even even under an authoritarian system like in Russia, uh, to get a people on board um, with a conflict, you have to break down those barriers of empathy. You have to um, make people familiar with, even comfortable with violence, and um, have a way of dehumanizing, distancing the victims away from the the feelings of compassion or sympathy that would get in the way of... uh, And and you can see that in warrior cultures, um, there's violent rites of initiation, um, like in Sparta, uh, you... A boy didn't become a man until um, he murdered uh, a slave in this specific uh, type of guerrilla warfare exercise. Um, in some Mesoamerican cultures, uh, you had human sacrifice play that role of uh, acclimating, you know, making people comfortable with violence and elevating what is normally abhorrent into something to be celebrated. Um, do you think that the media in the United States especially um, or and not just the news media, but um, if you think about uh, the role of sports in defining teams and in you know, making people comfortable with physical aggression um, or uh, entertainment plays a similar function with the American public, making them comfortable with war?
4: Oh, no question whatsoever. Uh, And many of us have been screaming for decades. Why won't you show the victims? Why isn't this cell phone victim footage from a U.S. missile thousands of miles away as interesting as this cell phone victim footage from a, a racist cop killing somebody on a street in the U.S.? Why can't we see the victims? And finally, 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 the media found a war where they want to show U.S. television and newspaper uh, consumers, the victims, they happen to look different from the victims of most wars. They're Ukrainians. Uh, But it's a good thing, right, to finally see and hear stories of some of the victims of war. If people can expand from that to an understanding that all the wars have victims and that, in fact, Ukraine isn't anywhere near the top (laughs) 10 list of Wars in, in counting the victims uh, these days. Uh, you know, I, it, it, here in, in Charlottesville, we had three football players murdered uh, the other day and everybody was horrified. And I'm glad, 100 percent glad they should be horrified. But George W. Bush killed a million people and he's doing a pep rally with Zelensky with no shame. And there's nobody has any problem with it. Right. And it's not just because it's bigger numbers. So it's a statistic, not a person. Uh, It's because it's the wrong kind of people. It's 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 foreign people. Uh, This is the this is the prejudice that even your very best, most progressive, anti-racist, anti-bigot person is still allowed to have foreigners distant people collateral damage the the people killed in war well why because it's war you know it's okay if it's war you know it, it, we have it, this it, these two people killed in poland were there was either a horrible horrible worst murder of the century or perfectly fine and a, just an unfortunate accident depending on where the missile came from we have lawyers go into congress and say Well, these people blown up with this drone missile. Either that's a horrible case of mass murder or it's perfectly fine. It depends on whether it's a war or not. Uh, And we don't actually know if it's a war because President Obama won't show us the memo where he said if it's a war. So there's nothing we can say. This is, you know, why do we have this institution called war that excuses murder, mass murder? You, you have a war. You can't cheat on your taxes. You can't shoplift. You can't rape. You can't assault. But you can murder. Why? You know, it's it's it, it makes no sense.
0: Pascal, do you want to add something to that?
2: Well, to answer the question why I would argue because some powers believe that violence is the most effective ways to secure those things in which is important to them, which is material wealth, resources. And, and and more power, that yeah. forcing com- to people to be compelled through physical violence is effective.
4: But it's not as effective as nonviolent action, and this is well established now. Um, if you look at the list uh, I've made at worldbeyondwar.org slash list, These are dozens of cases through history where nonviolence was used instead of war.
0: Can you give a a somewhat recent example of of that? Uh, I did read through your list. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I had a chance to read every link for every historical moment. But I did go through all of them all the way down to, was it uh, the last one? 85 BC? Oh, no, um no. I
3: remember there's 85 entries on the list. Um, I didn't get through it all myself because when I hit um, the 1971 um, case in the Polish shipyards, that was a rabbit hole I never emerged from.
0: Ah.
4: Well, I'm not going to claim expertise on all 85 uh, of those items in that list either, uh, but I am going to claim that uh, people like Erica Chenoweth, who have done studies of this, have found that uh, over the past century, Nonviolent campaigns uh, have succeeded over twice as often as violent ones, uh, which does not mean that violent ones have never succeeded. And it certainly does not mean that nonviolent ones always succeed. They usually fail. Both types usually fail. Uh, but if you're if you're trying to resort to the strongest tool available uh, because it has the greatest chance of success, it's nonviolent Action and I love that this show contrasts, and the and the song you mentioned as the origin for the title of the show contrasts war with revolution, uh, and that you have all these images of the Russian Revolution, which was principally nonviolent and was preceded by the nonviolent actions of 1905 uh, that radically changed uh, Russia and were a step and, and was a revolution that took Russia out of World War One uh, and, and said no to that insane war. Uh, (laughs) But of course, launched, you know, over a century of the United States, hostility and and violence toward Russia, beginning with sending in troops until 1920. Uh, But recent examples, uh, I, I mean, there are Are dozens and you look just back to the Arab Spring and you look at uh, people in in Tunisia or other countries across North Africa the Middle East overthrowing dictators Uh, you look at look at Liberia where the where the women back back when this country was attacking Iraq and launching this whole series of catastrophic wars uh, these women in Liberia were through nonviolent protest risking their lives in the streets, forcing the two warring sides to come to the table and then surrounding the room and not letting them out until they made peace. Uh, you know, the, we, can, we can question what, what tactic will work in a particular circumstance, but we can't, you know, we can't take seriously the sort of, you know, CNN choice of war or do nothing uh, when there are dozens of people uh, showing that there are all these things that work better than war.
0: Can I ask you a question, a personal question? And I ask this question to the to the panel and even to the chat. And people want to comment later. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Did the anti-war peace movement die after Vietnam? I know there's been anti-war protests since Vietnam. But as a movement that people really want to get behind, a peace-first movement, has that energy... Did it kind of fizzle out after Vietnam? I'll take my answer off here.
4: I, I, I mean, I think that the obvious short answer is yes, but it's complicated a bit by the fact that we're always short on the sort of movement we should have. And we're also always short on coverage of what movement we've got <laughs> so there's always been a lot more activism going on than we than we know about uh, but it's never been what it should be and it's further complicated uh, if you look at the global scene I mean they just had big peace rallies in cities around Italy with the political leaders of their government coming to the peace rallies and speaking against any more weapons for Ukraine demanding negotiations and peace and things that you, you get you kicked out of the progressive caucus in Washington uh, so it depends you know and it changes all the time where the action is which country you're allowed to say peace in at the moment
0: what say you Cuba?
4: well I think that
3: um, the peace movement in Vietnam was um, that there was a structural and institutional basis for it which is no longer Um, operative and that's the draft Um, when people who had no interest in fighting who um, were frightened of doing it and who would seek a way to escape it um, rather than be forced into either becoming a fugitive or a soldier um, that created the kind of mass mobilization that allowed the movement to flourish and It was a very canny strategy um, on the part of the United States uh, Department of Defense to switch to an all-volunteer force because then many people who might be worried about the perpetual conflicts um, created by American foreign policy, um, they no longer have a personal stake and they can tune out um, while the people who do end up um, in the service or either um, have the, have a mentality which makes them um, willing to accept the possibility of, of you know, uh, death or dismemberment for uh, their country, um, you know, service, they call it, or um, that are economically or socially marginal enough so that they're fully disposable. And... When you have kind of insulated the rest of society from the consequences of your war fighting, it's hard to get a peace movement going, especially when um, the combination of everyone's indebtedness, um, high cost of um, medicine, high cost of education means that um, for the working class, especially, um, you don't even have a lot of. Time or headspace to engage with things that are fun and pleasant and nurturing, let alone the dismal hellscape that is um, politics and international relations.
0: Pascal? Um, I would. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, oh no, no, go ahead, Tisan. I'm sorry. Okay.
1: I would add to that also um, apparently, the number of families that are bearing the brunt of these fatalities in these wars is increasingly small. It's the same families over and over. Uh, There was a time when everyone knew somebody who was involved in the war or who was enlisted or or something. And that's not the case anymore. I don't know anyone who's in the military anymore. Um, You know, I had a cousin who was in the military, but he left. And now of all the people I know, no one. Um, I will also add that there's no real press coverage of peace movements. Um, Wasn't there a huge, uh, a huge protest in the 90s against war?
0: I believe it was the 2000s against. 2000s. I mean, there were protests against both
3: Iraq wars, but um, in 2003, they were significantly larger than the ones around um, Desert Storm.
1: I mean, I was taught that in the 60s, um, the news showed everything. And then they learned from that. Uh, The powers that be decided. We're not going to show this stuff anymore. So they don't show coffins. They don't show protests.
3: And protesters, too, get bottled up in those free speech zones. That was one of the the great innovations of the George W. Bush administration.
1: Very true. Very true. Pascal?
2: Yeah, uh, I actually agree with Cuba that the the end of the draft was a significant death knell for uh, the Vietnam War protest era. And I think that the period in which the United States did not engage in war after Vietnam because of the moral consciousness of loss that so plagued the country. There was a time period, I'm old enough to remember, where some people believe that the United States would never go to war again after Vietnam because it was such a major cataclysm to the consciousness of the country. But I would also argue that after 9-11, the, the concept of perpetual war was very much in the psyche of the American, American people, but there was a very significant anti-war movement in Code Pink. There were people that were protesting, and I would actually say that the anti-war movement after 9-11 was killed very effectively by the presidency of Barack Obama because his illusion of hope and change was a very convincing means of getting people to believe that he was going to offer some kind of alteration to the normal machinations of American military and the, and the functioning of the American military industrial complex, and they were wrong. He was as, as belligerent as Bush, and I think that one of the worst consequences of his presidency is that he neutralized any kind of real war, anti-war effort at all.
0: I mean, and can we also bring this conversation down to the domestic level as well? I also, that's why I wanted to bring that up in the opening statements. I think when we use the terminology of war, it doesn't just stop at the international level with uh drone bombings I mean we've seen drone assassinations uh, here domestically uh, as well we have an extremely militarized police force throughout the country even in much smaller municipalities that don't have anywhere near the the crime threat <laughs> of of major metropolitan cities but still you see, the flat jacketed police, the uh, the battering ram tank like vehicles that they have uh, a few years ago uh, when I was still in West Oakland, there was a, a group of women. I believe they still have an organization called Moms for Housing and it commandeered vacant housing that was owned by a multinational corporations vacant for for some time and they were living in it with children. They were doing uh, a news drop on Democracy Now!, which comes on at about 4 5 a.m. our time on the West Coast. And they had to immediately get taken out of the studio because the police had come there with the battering ram tank-like vehicle to expel unarmed women and their infant children out of a home. And it was because of so much national media attention that eventually the corporation sold the home to the the city of oakland um, who who let the moms uh, uh stay in there but there is something to be said about war on drugs on crime hell even on poverty what say you about the verbiage the acceptable verbiage of war and how we can we accept it into the psyche.
3: Can I just piggyback um, sure. one other observation there? Mm-hmm. Um, after 9-11, there was a debate um, about whether to treat um, the attack on the Twin Towers as a criminal matter rather than an act of war. Mm-hmm. Um, that it would actually send a stronger message to um, work, uh, to reduce, um Osama bin Laden al Qaeda, the perpetrators to you know criminals, murderers uh, rather than elevating them to warriors and that it would also mean that the tools at your disposal would be those of law enforcement you know investigation Interpol um, right maybe let's say European law enforcement rather than the American version which is war by a different name um, so, is, is that, um, like, with that distinction between, um, like, civil criminal procedure and war fighting, where violence is, is the single tactic, uh, is that something that could be useful, right? Like, we respond to violence as a crime, not as uh, a symmetrical uh, war conflict.
1: Can I piggyback with your piggyback?
0: it's a totem pole now Mm -hmm. it's a totem Totem pole pole. now Uh,
1: I just want to say I don't believe I I don't know what war has actually been officially declared uh, since since Vietnam that's supposed to be an act of Congress and so far these conflicts have been classified as conflicts and not wars so that goes to the verbiage question as well
4: There has not been a declaration of war, actually, since World War II in the United States government, Uh, not not Vietnam. That's not what the the Gulf of Tonkin resolution was. It was a sleazy, sneaky maneuver. Um, We we actually have uh, that that debate, should we treat it as a crime or should we treat it as an excuse to wage war on the whole world? It didn't make it much into the U.S. corporate media. I wish it had. Uh, it's, It's hard to even explain to anyone that... Afghanistan was willing to turn bin Laden over to a third country to be put on trial they don't want to hear that um but we have an actual test it's not theoretical what would have worked better right because shortly after that you had terrorist attacks in England and in Spain and in England they treated it as an act of war and went to war with uh, other countries and generated lots more terrorist attacks in Spain, they treated it as a crime. They got all Spanish troops the heck out of Iraq, uh, and they said, We're not going to take part in this war anymore. And apart from the Bosques terrorism from within Spain, which is now over too peacefully, uh, uh, there was not a foreign terrorist attack in Spain from that day to this. Uh, so it's not a mystery uh, that you generate terrorism with larger scale terrorism uh, under the name of of war um you know and there was there there was a vietnam syndrome and then there was even an iraq syndrome and you couldn't elect people like joe biden or john kerry or hillary clinton for years and it and then it faded away and now you can put the the guy who led the push in on capitol hill for the war on iraq into the White House uh, with hardly a mention of the fact that he did that uh, and so we, we we have to keep memories uh, alive of of how horrified we were by things uh, when they happened uh, and, you know if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to resist, new wars uh, and and I agree with you all about what the draft meant for the peace movement but it's, a, it's not a price I'm willing to pay I don't want to create a draft uh, we may get it you know they are 15,000 short this year expecting mm-hmm. to be 28,000 short next year US military recruitment they want a war on Russia and a war on China uh, but I don't 6 there million people died before the draft ended the war on Vietnam uh, you know We haven't seen that since uh, outside of distant places like the Congo. We haven't seen anything that bad. Uh, It's not a price I'm willing to pay for a bigger peace movement. Um, But that is what happened.
0: I I, I think the reason why I bring up the question about the peace movement and, you know, I'm glad Cuba brought up the 2003 protest because we forget there was a 2004 election. And that was the election to take out the warmonger. And what happened?
2: Anyone? Well, some people thought it was stolen in Ohio.
4: Well, you put him up against a guy who was for it before he was against it, before he was for it, which was not a peace candidate. And then you came back in 06 and gave the Democrats both houses with the top position of every voter being, we want to end the war. And the Democrats came in and escalated the war and said, we want to escalate the war so we can run against it again in 08. And defunded the peace movement and put everything into electing a Democrat to an imperial thrown in 2008 you can read a book called party in the streets by a couple of academics who went around and surveyed everybody at giant and small peace rallies for years and there's no question we had a significant peace movement in 02 03 04 05 because the democratic party was pretending it cared about peace and people who identified principally with the democratic party thought they could be for peace and it disappeared for the same reason the Democratic Party's not for peace anymore. I don't have to be. Uh, and so if we had had people who were for peace first and a political party thing was secondary, we would have had more lasting power uh, for a peace movement.
3: Uh, do you think that there could be progress made on the cultural front um, that isn't depending on um, political leadership where um, the kind of um, media consumption, the kind of media diet that primes uh, Americans to um, valorize conflict, um, to um, normalize violence, uh, to make that distinction between Americans and foreigners in terms of the value of human life, to uh, conflate uh, a metaphysical good and evil with uh, the sides of, uh, of a conflict, you know, with us or against us. How could you deprogram the culture? And would that be a place to get started that would rely less on electoralism and on political elites?
4: When nobody ever voted themselves the right to vote, activism has always changed the world far more than than uh voting alone. There is no question uh, We need to share videos like this one and papers and books and uh and artwork and music. We need to reclaim peace holidays uh Veterans Day didn't start out as Veterans' Day; It started out as a peace holiday and was transformed in a, into a war holiday after the destruction of Korea. Uh, if you go to peacealmanac.org you find uh, something significant on it each of the 365 days including numerous holidays to reclaim and recreate uh and uh you know i i see people in the chat saying should you know weapons dealers be allowed to fund campaigns well they shouldn't be allowed to secretly pay sports leagues to celebrate militaries before games uh they shouldn't be allowed to fund think tanks and university centers they shouldn't be allowed to send uh, members of the military into schools. Uh, and, and, and no, they shouldn't be allowed to fund campaigns or to build one weapon in 86 pieces in 86 different congressional districts to hold those jobs over people. And they, and they shouldn't be allowed to have stock in weapons companies bought by Congress members, some of whom openly brag about how much money they're making off the next war. I, I mean, we should bring back the concept of shame you know, that there was, a, there was a much bigger peace movement than the 60s in the 20s. And in the 30s, it was still shameful. Uh, and you had congressional hearings on the shame of profiting from war. It, it, that people would laugh at the very idea now. Uh, so, yeah, we have to work on changing people's minds. But it's not a difficult thing. If you can get to if you can talk to somebody for an hour, you can dramatically change their minds because most people don't know Basic facts uh, about militarism and about the the unique role of the United States in global militarism. You know, they don't know that 80% of the weapons are coming from the U.S., that 90% of the foreign military bases are U.S., that the U.S. is the biggest arms dealer to the dictatorships it claims to oppose, that it wages more wars than anybody else, that that no other country does, that the U.S. has given more free weapons to Ukraine than Russia's entire military budget. Nobody, you know, nobody knows basic facts. And and so it's not hard to to start changing their thinking if you just get to talk to them for a, a little bit.
0: Well, thank you very much, David, for joining us for this uh, this hour. That is David Swanson. Wherever you're watching the show, there are links in the description to read David's work. Will you be joining us in the champagne room?
4: Will there be champagne? <laughs> yes.
1: Of <laughs> <I'm> a sort.
3: <laughs> That's where you go um, to speak your mind and not get canceled.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you can say everything you said with like an F-bomb on the back. Of the the uh, free speech is the champagne. Ah, Cuba. Oh, Cuba? God damn it, Cuba. A poet. I would give you a hug right now if you were in front of me.
1: He's a poet.
0: Hoping, if, if you're wearing pants. If you have pants on. Never. A, <laughs> never. The bing-bang bang well, is bing-banging.
1: I wanted to say that... um. You know, we, we're we all aware of the we're all on the internet. We're all aware of the concept of red pilling. I was hoping today to maybe peace pill the chat and the panel. How do you think we did? I don't know. Well, I... you didn't know that was my goal. I snuck you in.
4: <laughs> <laughs> what do I
0: always say, M.T.? This shit is chess, not checkers. Okay. Hey. Even though
1: I am
4: sweet.
1: What
3: does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Sweden is the country they put the peace pill in the tap water.
4: Right? <laughs> Sweden's signing on to NATO and war, 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 I'm afraid.
2: <laughs>
0: That's true. Pascal, do you feel that the chat has been peace-pilled, or do you think they still want uh, violence at all costs?
2: No man, I think that one of the one of the premises of having good left praxis is to be anti-war. I think mm. I think there's room there's room for more peace talk.
0: Cuba, are you down for peace talk? Um, I war
3: is um, for me, um, yeah, of course it's bad. A lot of things are bad, but it's also incredibly wasteful and inefficient. Um, and that offends my consultant brain Um, (laughs) there there are better ways to, to invest that productive capital. There are, um, it's, it's, for instance, climate change, demilitarization on a global scale takes care of climate change in a day. But, um, the addiction that political power has to, um, the weapons industry, and to bigger, better, and, you know, more energy and resource-intensive armaments is part of what's killing the planet. Um, by itself, it's killing the planet, and I don't know how to get out of, I, I unfortunately I kind of agree with the William S. Burroughs quote at the beginning, right? We we're in a war universe right now. How do we get out of it? How do we change the programming? Um, And that is a devilish problem. Um, I'm glad that, um, David, you're putting your energy into it because honestly, it's too hard for me. Um, And uh, it should be one of the tenets of not just the left, but any movement that calls itself uh, humane let, let alone humanist, uh, let alone democratic, uh, should aim for the abolishment of war. I think that that's, uh, it shouldn't be a point of contention. Uh, the question is, how much war do we need to get to that point uh, if we can ever? Um, or, and, and I realize that there's 89 cases where, where peaceful um, pressure uh, achieved what conflict, what violence could not. Um, and I would love that to be the next chapter of our collective global political evolution but I if I had to bet
4: it would go the other way Well the point the point is uh, not to not to analyze the world, but to change it or something like that. Somebody mm-hmm. said whose picture I saw at the start of the show, uh, you know, I'm not I don't I I'm no better at making predictions than anybody else. I'm just interested in at least going down trying. Uh, and the U.S. military not only has more money than most countries in the world's entire economies, but it produces more greenhouse gases than most entire countries uh there are 30 40 countries that produce more you take all the militaries of the world if they were a country they'd be number four uh in in greenhouse gas emissions and they're left out of the treaties they have these big conferences they go to egypt and kiss up to a dictator and and have a conference the 27th one after 26 abysmal failures uh they're going to deal with the climate Uh, And they don't even pretend to be serious because they leave militarism, which is five, six, seven percent of of all greenhouse gas emissions out, you know, free pass. You can we can pretend that the militaries are destroying a different planet like we got two of them, you know, Um, on top of that, the money. It's not just you know, it's not just a side issue. The money, the money kills vastly more people than the wars. And that's going to be true. Uh, until the wars go nuclear, uh, because you can take little fractions of the money that's being spent on these wars and transform the world. You can end starvation on the whole planet for $30 billion a year, and that's just like one Ukraine weapons bill out of Congress. You know, it's 3% of the trillion dollars that the U.S. puts into militarism every year, just the U.S. Right. You can the, the Green New Deal. The wildest dreams of advocates for a Green New Deal don't approach 20 percent of the military budget. You know? <laughs> uh, and the Green New Deal pays for itself. It's a money maker. you know, but it, not a world destroyer. So so the money is is absolutely central to it all.
3: The sinews of war are endless money.
0: Mm. Well, on that depressing note. I'll be on movie night extravaganza tomorrow talking about Bullworth with Forrest and Conan and friends. Good movie. (laughs) And we, oh, we'll see you guys in the champagne room. Should we turn the calls on MT?
1: Um, Yeah. I think people have things they want to say.
0: Okay. Do you want to listen to them?
1: Um. (laughs) If they make it quick, how about that? <laughs>
0: We're gonna do a quick champagne room. That's we have a, we all of us except for Cuba have a lot of reading to do for tomorrow. For Saturday.
1: Right.
0: And I have to rewatch Bullworth. All I remember is that song. Can you sing it for us? Song? What song
1: is that? Ghetto, Ghetto Superstar? Superstar?
0: Can you sing the hook?
1: Um
0: Can you No? Uh, you know it. Do I? Yeah, a little bit. Can you just hum it? You're an
3: all-star.